There's a, a man who played in the National Basketball Association for 19 years, won several uh, NBA championships, uh, was known as not always necessarily the best player in the league, but was always known as the most dominant player in the league. In fact, he was one of the largest people who had ever played professional basketball in the U.S. At one point, he measured almost my height, seven foot, one inch. <laughs> 325 pounds. I mean, that's a man. <laughs> that's a lot of man right there. Do you know who I'm talking about? Shaquille O'Neal, right? Yeah, that's right. Shaq. That's it. Well, he, uh, he's got kind of a, a goofy sense of humor, and I'm drawn to goofy humor. And uh, he, he has a series of commercials, and uh, one time he was talking about the product, and this little smirk comes across his face, and he says, you know, it's a lot like when, uh, when my mother gave birth to me, and she first held me in my arms, in her arms, and she said, boy, that was more than I expected. Do <laughs> <laughs> <Did> you imagine? <laughs> Have you ever been somewhere where you uh, engaged in a task and it was more than what you expected? Sometimes when I hear that phrase, it, at least in my mind, goes to kind of a negative place sometimes. You know, you, you do your best to volunteer, maybe even a church ministry. You're at your child's uh, school and uh, you think you're signing up for one thing and then it turns into something more. Or at work, you engage in a project and you think it's going to cost you this amount of time or this much money. And then all of a sudden, boom, it balloons up into something far more than you expected. Sometimes when credit cards get uh, uh, stolen from uh, certain retailers and things, we often hear the first headline, and then a few days later, the breach was larger than expected, right? Well, I want to acknowledge that sort of understanding, but I want to set the negative understanding of something more than what's expected aside. And I want us to think about some of the more positive things. When we engage in something, perhaps it may seem small or insignificant to start, or it seems smaller than what we think it might be, and as we get to know it and we expand and grow in our understanding of it, suddenly we look back and we say, wow, that was a lot more than I expected. Sometimes we hear that with missions giving. Even uh, Maybe you gave last year to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Maybe you gave, I don't know, 50 bucks, 10 bucks, $2. And you contributed to the over $30,000 that this church raised to go and support our international missionaries. And when you begin to hear the stories of how God uses that money and the work that He does through our missionaries all around the world, sometimes you can sit back, and I hope you do, with satisfaction to say, wow, the money I gave did a whole lot more than what I expected. Sometimes uh, Operation Christmas Child, maybe you've packed a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child, and uh, maybe it's just one box, and, and you prayerfully think about what you're going to put in that box, and, and you wrap it up, and you deliver it at the right time. And uh, I don't know if you know, but um, Samaritan's Purse, who does that ministry, has a book. It's about this thick, full of testimonies of how the, that particular ministry, the, the, the children were those boxes, the laps upon whom they land, and how those boxes help support missionaries around the world, pastors in their, their own heart languages, ministries that are going on. And suddenly you can sit back and hear these stories and you say, wow, I packed a simple shoebox and it went out and it did so much more than what I expected. Today we want to talk a little bit about that concept, about being involved in something perhaps bigger than what you expected at the beginning, perhaps more than what you first realized. 
I remember watching our, uh, uh, the friends, the, the uh, Rwandan children who came to sing here a few times in recent years. And uh, one of my favorite songs, choruses, they sang once. And, you know, I think all of them or most of them are orphaned in some, some degree. And the song was, I have a father and he knows my name. I have a father and he knows my name. You know, it's, it's really amazing and it, it really should overwhelm you. When maybe it didn't at the beginning of, of your Christian life or walk, but hopefully at some point in your journey, you get overwhelmed with the idea that the God of the universe, that the Bible describes as one who hung the planets and the stars in the expanse, who knows them by name, the one who painted with such amazing color and variety the planet upon which we live, that this God of the universe somehow knows your name. And somehow knows even the numbers of hair on your head. He knows you and He loves you so much so that He would call you by name and call you to come and be His friend. And sometimes when we hear the gospel, maybe for the first time, when we step into the relationship with the Lord Jesus, we, we can think, gosh... God is going to help me solve this problem or He's going to help me meet this need and my life is going to be better. And of course, Jesus Himself said that He has come to give you life and life to the very full. But you know, we start sometimes with this big idea that this, this giant God of the universe somehow knows me. Amen. But what God wants to do next is to say, I want to turn you outward so that through you, I cannot let you settle for something too small in your life because there's something bigger than just you that I'm about and I'm working around the world and I'm at work all the time and I want you to be part of it. I invite you to come along. I'm going, Jesus says. Won't you come and follow? That's the question continually for your life, whether it's uh, every day you get up and go to work. Jesus asks, I'm going. Are you going to follow? When you hear about a missionary doing his or her work somewhere around the world, Jesus is saying, I'm there. Are you going to come and participate in what we're doing? Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in our own daily concerns because we all have needs. We all have pains. We all have particular issues. And sometimes we get so wrapped in inward looking that our world shrinks. Doesn't it? And sometimes there are seasons when maybe that needs to happen. And our daily living, of course, is extremely important. Absolutely. But that's not all that there is. There is more going on. God is doing more. God invites us, in addition to our daily living, to be alert to the bigger activity and to be involved in that activity of what God is doing all around us, all around the world. We're going to look in the book of Isaiah. I invite you to open to Isaiah in the Old Testament. We're going to look in Isaiah chapter 49 today as we hear some of the words of God and a message for us this day. As we read in Isaiah, we find ourselves, we're kind of opening right in the middle of the book. That's a kind of an interesting exercise. It can be a little dangerous if you don't kind of set a bit of context. So the Hebrew people are in exile. Uh, the northern kingdom back in 722 B.C. was invaded by the Assyrians, and they had gone off as captives, and their nation 
in shambles. The Babylonians, about 140 years after that, in 586 B.C., would come sweeping through the southern kingdom and carry them off to exile. And in chapters about 40 to 55 of Isaiah, we get less less history and, and more primarily addressing theological questions. Some of the, the Jewish people were thinking, my goodness, I thought God had established a covenant with us And I thought that that covenant centered around Jerusalem and centered around the temple in Jerusalem because that's where God dwells. And now that's gone. So there are questions like, will God meet me in this foreign land? Can I pray and worship God in this foreign land without what I've become accustomed to? There are questions like, well, my goodness, if these other countries have have overtaken our country, maybe their gods are stronger than the God I've been worshiping. Is that the case? That was part of the questions that they were asking. Another question was, we have sinned and we have messed up. We have not fulfilled our part of the promise back to God in the covenant. Does that then ruin the whole agreement? And partly in response to those types of questions, we we read in Isaiah chapter 49. You see, God's people had not been a faithful servant God called them to worship and to serve Him, and their unfaithful response back to God was not a faithful one. But even so, could God be willing to keep His promise to them? And the answer is resoundingly yes. Yes. It describes a different type of servant, not one like Israel, but a different one. A servant we would call later Messiah, In chapter 42 of Isaiah, it describes this servant as a suffering servant. We see both in chapter 42 and in chapter 49 that he is a servant who would bring light, not just to a particular person or a particular group of people or to one little small piece of the globe, but he would bring light to the nations. And then he passes that torch on to his people who then have the job of carrying it on Isaiah chapter 49, we read these first six verses. The Bible says, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant lands, nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, He has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of His hand, He hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in His quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel in whom I display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yep, what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the, in the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob uh, and to gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. You see, it's more than what they expected. The servant's work would be more than what they expected. Our work with God is usually more than what we first thought it might be.
It would have a greater impact than what we first think it might have. Our first impressions aren't, don't always tell the whole story about what God wants to do. The first three verses of this chapter describe the calling of the servant. It says, listen up, you, you nations. And then he talks about before he was born and his particular calling. He is talking about from the very beginning, God's plan has been a big plan. From the very beginning, God's plan is not just focused on a particular piece of geography or a particular people, but through that to be able to touch and be extended out to the entire globe. God's plan from the very beginning has had a worldwide focus. But sin is such a serious issue in your life and in mine that we need, we need God to take a drastic measure in order to deal with that sin problem. And He did just that. At Christmas, we hear a similar theme out of Isaiah. We hear that into the darkness, a what has shined? A light has shined into the dark world. God is now putting on flesh. He's coming to walk among us so that He can do what only He is capable of doing, and that is taking our sin and removing it from our life. But He doesn't just toss it away. He actually takes it onto Himself. You see, sin is not like something written in pencil that you just pull out an eraser and erase it away as if it never happened. Sin has to actually be managed and dealt with. And God says you don't have to manage your sin and the consequences of it on your own. That's why Jesus came into the world so that in his own person he could absorb the consequence of sin, the devastating reality of sin, the reality that separates us from God now in Christ because he takes that sin. It's not just an erasure. He takes the debt. He pays it. That is so important to understand. If your heart is going to rejoice in what God has done for you, you'll never understand the cross in the fullness of its importance until you grasp that Jesus literally came and took the payment, the the sour consequence, the death and the bitterness upon Himself for you. And when we grasp that and we come back to that over and over again, how can we not but stand and say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to come and take my place in my sin so that I might know you. I might be with you. Oh, it is so good that God would love you and me enough to do that. Jesus in John chapter 12 if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. John 12, 27. Jesus said, you know, going to the cross, that's not an accident. This isn't some, oh, this is not an expected turn of my life. No, no. Jesus says, this is the exact reason that I came into the world. Because from the very beginning, God's plan was to come and to rescue the sinful reality of the world. Jesus says, this is the reason that I've come. And if you look in Isaiah 49, verse 16, we actually sang this in our second song this morning. The response is, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. When Jesus stretched out or had his arms stretched out and the nails were driven through, God was writing your name on his palm, saying, I've done this and doing this for you to pay for your sin so that you don't have to walk in a life separated from God anymore, that you can know the hope 
and the love and the value and the life perspective that I want to give to you. Look at Jesus' hands, and if you've received his forgiveness into your life, you will see your name written on the palm of his hands. Wow. That's the calling of the servant. The servant has confidence in in God despite even frustration. In verse 4, it says, But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet, what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. You see, the servant is saying, I have confidence in the Father completely and fully. He doesn't serve just for an immediate reward. He serves with a bigger picture in mind. It's too small a thing to have too small a view of your life. It's too small a thing to have too small of a view of what God wants to do through your life and into His hurting and darkened world. And now we come to it, the last two verses, verses 5 and 6. But let's look at verse 6 for time. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. In other words, the servant's role is not just to come and to rescue Israel. The servant's role is not just to come to Hebrew people and to say, I love you and you only, and I'm going to restore you. No, no, the plan from the very beginning was to open the doors wide for all of the... The Greek word translates Gentiles most naturally, ethne, which means the, the people, the nations, not just the non-Jewish people, but, but all people. Um, the servant's ministry, that's too small a thing. If all you're focused on is, is this too small an issue, your view has to be broadened out because I am coming to be a light to the Gentiles. The Messiah would come. He would be that light. And then Jesus, early in Matthew's Gospel, He would turn to His earliest followers, the church, And he would say to the church, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Go and do your deeds in front of men so that they might see those deeds and rejoice and celebrate God. You, church, are a light on the hill. Jesus has given us the commission now to go into the far reaches of the earth, around the world, into all peoples, as God would open the opportunity to go and share His great love and to communicate the wonder and the delight that in Christ Jesus, this is why He came into the world, so that He could take and absorb the sin of Indonesian peoples and Malaysian peoples and Chinese peoples and Ugandan peoples, Persian people, American people, Mexican people, Argentinians, Canadians even, My wife's not here. That's funnier when she's around. Even Swiss, Rudy. Jesus, one of some of his very last words on earth in Matthew chapter 28, he says this to the church. He says, now you go and you make disciples. You know, the only infinitive in this whole passage of Matthew 28 is to go and make disciples. Disciples. It isn't to go, although that's important. It isn't even to baptize or to teach, although that's important. But it's to make disciples. So he says to the church, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. So now the church has a commission, right? We call that the Great Commission, is that we would be participants 
not just in small things and too small of things, but we would look and see what God is doing around the world. And as He would prompt us and guide us, we would be willing to participate in that work. It's too small a thing for you to be my witnesses just to Tiburon and Marin County. So see here, the choice isn't between working here in Marin or going somewhere else and working there. It's not an either-or. Okay, It's not an either-or. It is a both-and. We both have to be working here in Marin and California and uh, around the U.S., but we also, and, we have to be out engaged around the world where God is working. You see, Jesus in John chapter 5 says that the Father is always about His work, and I, too, am working. His work now goes in our life and through our life and your engagement, too, even to the ends of the earth. So that in Tiburon, in Mill Valley, in San Rafael, in Novato, in Marin City, in Sausalito, in Richmond, in San Francisco, Marin County, the state of California, the western United States, the whole western hemisphere, all around the world... Is God at work? Yeah. Are we called to join Him in that work? Yeah. Will He guide us in the particulars? Yeah. I believe He does and He will. People everywhere are informed. This is the goal, is that we would be part of helping people everywhere be informed about and invited into the greatest love of the universe, and that is the love that God has demonstrated in Jesus. Years ago, there was a, an expression that uh, encouraged people to think globally, think big, right? But to act locally. Think globally, act locally. Be involved as you have opportunity in the big things, but do your daily work right here, right? Uh, I don't know how it came along, but um, I like the word glocal. I don't think it's a word. You can go look it up in the dictionary, but here's a definition of glocal. My definition It's being both global and local all the time. It's both serving and walking with God right here, but also there. Here and there and everywhere. Here, there, and everywhere. Right? Is God at work? Yeah. Is it hard to see God's work here in Marin County? Yeah. It is, but is He working? I believe He is, because that's what He said He's doing. Whether I can see it or not, or whether I see it very often or not, that's not the point. What God calls you and me to be is faithful, continuing to be faithful right here regularly in the daily throes of our life, in your workplace, at your home, in your family, wherever you are. That's part of your mission field. But you can't then ignore what God is doing around the world for focus just on here. That's too small a thing. You see, we have to be, as a church and as people, we have to be engaged in both. And that's part of my prayer in the days ahead, is that God would refresh in us a missional focus. 2016, I've been informed, is the 20-year anniversary of God stirring this church's heart in particular to missions. And my hope and prayer is that in the months to come, God might be pleased to stir a new 20-year season of missions, perhaps in some new places. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm eager to do and explore that with you. I'm eager to see, I trust that God is working around the world. 
I trust that he's going and already is at work where Cal and Aaron are going. I trust that he's working through the, the thousands of missionaries that our Lottie Moon Christmas offering supports. That's the global end of things. And we have to continue to be deeply committed to that if we're going to be a faithful biblical church. But we don't do that to the neglect of right here, right in our own backyard, Marin County. We have to do both. One of the ministries that we're going to highlight in the coming weeks is Open Door Ministry. The Open Door Ministry has served, as many of you know, for a long, long time, um, under privileged folks, uh, largely in the Sausalito area, provides meals every Friday night out of a small church building there in Sausalito. It has provided some other things, clothing at times. Some of their revenue streams are, are drying up. And so we've been invited to be in prayer with them about how God wants to move uh, forward that ministry, or if He's done with that ministry, who knows? But you're going to be hearing more about opportunities. I know many of you have served there and have been there and give and donate to it. But that, that's just one aspect of keeping local opportunities in front and before each of us. But it's not at the expense of the global aspect. It's not an either-or. It's a both-and. You're also, Andy made mention of these prayer cards. Thank you, Andy. Uh, this is for Cal and Aaron. Some of you may know Aaron McLennan, but you may not know Aaron Heaps. <laughs> Did you know Aaron got married some, some time ago? I know some of you know and love Aaron and the McLennan family, and you know her as Aaron McLennan because she's a girl that you taught maybe when she was in elementary school in her Sunday school class. But you know, she got married to a really great guy. He's trimming his beard all the time. <laughs> Cal and Aaron, it's such a burden on my heart that we as a church would really wrap around them so that when they head off on their great adventure, that we're not just sending them off, but we're going with them in some way. That they're really anchored into our hearts, that we're going to carry their burdens as they go, that we're going to share in those burdens, and not just with them, but with others. That's been my prayer in recent weeks, is that God would stir afresh a renewed mission's heart for this church. And uh, there are these prayer cards as you exit the sanctuary today and you turn left, uh, the information table there, right underneath the banner that says, Welcome to Tiburon Baptist Church. You'll see a stack of these. If you missed your, uh, your snack and treat on the way in, um, on the way out, there's another stack of these there. So hopefully you won't miss picking one of these up. But I really hope this won't just find a place somewhere inconspicuous in your home. I hope it's somewhere that you'll be reminded to pray for Cal and Aaron. There's some information on the back about uh, what they're doing, some of the timetable that is ahead for them. You know, their last Sunday with us is December 11th. I mean, that's just not very far away. And so we're trying to make opportunities as well for you to know more about them, what God is doing among in their life and uh, trying to help educate you if you're not aware or familiar with the way the International Mission Board um, calls people and uh, evaluates people and prepares them. We're trying to have some opportunities for you to get to know that process a little bit better. Also to hear about where they're going to be, what they're going to be doing perhaps. And I know it's church planning and, um, and just so you can begin to pray. November 13th is your next opportunity, the evening of November 13th to, um, to come and to hear. It's a whole evening set aside to uh, hear about um, what God is doing in their life, to hear about where they're going, what they're going to be doing, so that you can actually have your prayers even more fully informed and focused. So that, that's part of the global end of things. It's too small a thing for us 
to just simply be focused on Marin. Um, we can't focus here to the neglect of the global thing, but we can't also just focus on the global thing to the neglect of right here where we live. It has to be both. So that's my prayer for me and for us, is that we be global people, global and local. God, I pray that that is what you desire for us, that uh, I trust it is, that our eyes would be focused right here, yet they would be raised regularly and consistently to see the ends of the earth, to be part of what you're doing around us and desire to do through us as a church, because we are the light of the world. We're only that light because of your presence among us, and so may we do what we need to do and be who we need to be so that your light would brightly shine forth from us. Guide us, we pray, in all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.